Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eggnana Chit Chat. Ningzui ABC. As I wrapped up season one of Eggnana Podcast, I wanted to widen my topic ranges and, you know, dive into everything from race and Canadian media to pop culture to dating to you know family recipes and sort of everything in between. So that's where Eggnana Chit Chat Ningzui ABC comes in. And speaking of race in Canadian media, I have none other than Miss Ali Wilson.、Um, she's a Multimedia producer joining us today. Welcome to the podcast, Ali. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm such a fan of you. Oh,、um, and this podcast. Ever since you told me about it, that you were doing it, and I'm just so honored. Thank you. Yeah, we have lots to talk about,、um, but、yeah. I'll try to keep it structured. <laughs>、um, you were a guest that surfaced to me early in my brainstorming session, and、mm-hmm. in saying that, I want to keep this conversation very real. Sort of take it to the next、mm-hmm. level.、Um, I find that we open these. Pandora's boxes when talking about being a journalist of color、um, in Canada, but then the articles are written, the social media posts are done, and then that's it.、Um, do you ever think we can tell our story without being scared or needing to be polite? As racialized journalists. As racialized journalists. Um, I think once upon a time. Yeah. I think now there's definitely a shift in in journalism where.、Um, Racialized and marginalized journalists are kind of demanding that we should be allowed to tell our stories and tell our truths、um, the way that it's supposed to be. Whether it's you know just changing certain words instead of being like you know shot by police, we we can say killed by police. You know,、mm. um, whether that's adding in a little bit of and I, I hate using this word, but you know people say don't editorialize. You know your your work. You know keep it very.、Uh, Uh, unbiased, you know, tell both sides of the story. But the thing is, is as a black journalist、yeah. um, and black producer, it's hard for me sometimes to tell these stories without adding in my own personal experiences. And just、yeah. because I add in my own experience doesn't mean I'm not going to be fair to the story. Yeah, you know, but it does mean that. I am human as well,、mm-hmm. and I really hope that、uh, people are starting to see that—not just for me, but for all racialized journalists. And I think they are. I think they are. I think there's there's an interesting shift happening、yeah. in the journalism industry right now. And I'm sorry if I surface any trauma because I know your experience has been full of that.、Mm-hmm. And even for myself, it's still very enraging to think of the things that have happened at work. To me, as a Asian American journalist,、um, and I guess as a background for those that don't know, Ali and I met each other when we worked together a few years ago.、Um, we ended up on the same team. We sat beside each other throughout my entire time there. I remember meeting you on the first day, and we sat in this sort of this triangle pattern.、Um, And then we moved to different areas, and we still sat beside each other. So,、mm-hmm. I saw you in many lights. You know, I saw when you were super excited when your show was greenlit, and I would read over your pitch docs, or when you were tired of all the newsroom drama, when you were disappointed in things. I just saw many faces of you, and that I think a lot of people don't see. I think they see you as somebody who organizes a lot of these like talks and、uh, events, and do, does a lot of like.、Um, BIPOC storytelling, but like I want to convey that you also get tired, that you also、yeah. get upset when these things happen, and like we should all like pitch in together at the same time and not just、mm-hmm. expect a handful of people to be that diversity chairperson.、Mm-hmm. So I find 
that what's best for me right now is that when I am feeling overwhelmed and when a lot of people are coming to me, whether that's professionally or just, you know, personally outside of, uh, of work, um, I'm always happy to help. You know, I think people know that of me and I'm always, always willing to give racialized and marginalized uh, communities a voice. But I, I, especially with all like the Black Lives Matter movement that happened last year and all the police killings, especially of, you know, uh, my brothers and sisters um, in in America or or elsewhere here, also in Canada, we saw examples of that. Um, I just realized that I needed to, to learn how to take a step back and focus on me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. And I was always, I always felt bad doing that. I felt like that was a little selfish. Like, you know, there's so much to do. There's, um, you know, we have to help other people heal. We have to, you know, make a space for people. We need to push forward. But I sometimes would feel, like you said, burnt out. Yeah. I would feel tired, exhausted. And it was like I was running on fumes to the yeah. point where I literally, like, I can't even tell you how many times I just, like, collapsed, literally and figuratively. Yeah. But, yeah, I just learned that there are times when I'm like, okay, if I'm tired, I need to learn how to take a step back. Um and I've done that in numerous ways. Um, I'm not on social media as much anymore. Like, yeah. if I'm on there, I'll post and come off. Um, I have learned to just turn off my phone sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. like, people will text me a lot, which is great. Love helping my friends, like I said. But sometimes I just need time to recharge. And I just need time for me. And I have to learn that it's okay to do that, you know. And something else I really wish was available to Mm -hmm. uh, racialized journalists, especially um, with everything that we're seeing, like I said, with um, all the black folks that were killed over the last several months, years, decades. And, you know, even you and I were talking just before we started recording about, you know, the the shootings in Atlanta of, you know, the the Asian women predominantly Mm -hmm. who who were murdered. And um, I really wish that therapy and counseling was more readily available for journalists yeah um you know i'm lucky to be in a position where i get some sort of benefits um and you know that i can pay for the rest if need be but i know there are a lot of people who don't have that and shout out to my therapist because she (laughs) has helped me so like literally she has helped me so much um to balance being a black journalist you know and being a black woman in general and i just Sometimes after I'm done those sessions, I hope I'm not getting off track. No. But sometimes when I when I'm done those sessions, I just think of all the people who don't have that access and yeah. how much that it's that's needed, especially now with everything that we're seeing. On top of that, there's a pandemic. On top of that, mm. people are losing their jobs. There's all these layoffs. How do you navigate all that? Yeah. As a black journalist in a pandemic, God forbid if I ever lose my job. You know what I mean? There's It's so multi-layered mm-hmm. and there's so much to unpack. And I just, I wish the industry just took um, better care of, of Their the, employees. the employees that they have. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I'm a little bit older than you, so I've been through a few more newsrooms Stop. than you. And I, <laughs> and I always, you know, when I got there, you were like, it seemed like you were, look you know even for me i say it's hard to find mentors in mm-hmm. canadian media and we see a lot of mid-tier journalists leave the industry altogether and i think it's such mm-hmm. a it's such a 
missed point because you know we get really fed up with the things that happen to us and we go to these avenues that we are told will help us hr you know our boss's manager and they don't instead in my experience i've been punished for speaking up i've been punished for pointing out these flaws that or things that they can't resolve and then we're just like you know what fuck this i don't need this like i at the end of the day and then when you see like layoffs you're just a number they don't really think about if you have elders you're supporting they don't think about if families you're supporting they don't think i need this uh you know insurance coverage for therapy they don't think about that so as young journalists, I know we're very gung-ho, you know, everyone wants to put out different stories, everyone wants to, you know, have all these ideas they want to develop. And then I think like, these people are just taking, (laughs) not these people, but like these companies kind of don't know how the sausage is made or the candy is made in the candy factory, like the amount of grunt work that we had to do. I mean, you and I on the same team, our role was sort of divided into um, breaking news stories of the day versus like getting to do special projects. And to me, when I knew that we were doing that, I think you and I both knew like, do your homework first, aka the breaking news, helping other teams and like working together cross functionally. And then getting to play was to make our own like YouTube stuff. And people in our team didn't, not everyone understood that. And very quickly, I realized like, it's not about, uh, success metrics because you and i compile stuff in like excel and like use data and was like look this is you know you're giving us too much work it's not fair and i think fairness is something that a lot of newsrooms you know it's very blurry (laughs) in those newsrooms i also like blurry um but yeah I, i quickly learned it wasn't it wasn't about merit um you know i you know i i remember showing my then boss and he didn't care Um, And it's always this analogy I use. And I think for a lot of journalists of color, you find that you are expected to do extra work, excellent work. You know, I always say like, they're asking us to paint something and someone else gets 10 paintbrushes and we get five and you're still expected to make a better painting. Or you're asking me to bake a cake, but you don't give me the proper ingredients. And we know baking Mm -hmm. is all about having the right ingredients. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to bake the best damn cake I can, but you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of harder than normal work on my end right like talk about that a little have you experienced that unfairness so you actually bring up something very interesting and i think you know a lot of uh you know i i'm gonna obviously speak from the black perspective because i'm black um but um i growing up you know i was always taught you have to work 10 times harder you Mm -hmm. know that uh, that phrase, I'm sure a lot of people from racialized communities and families here. Yeah. And I think the problem with that is that we're so used to working 10 times harder yeah. that when people see that, they expect that from us all the time. Yes. Right. And then when we don't deliver, they think we're, we're doing less than giving I guess them you attitude, say. have a bad attitude, not but uh, passionate not that, about they, your job. Well, but I mean, that's what like, I've gotten. Like, you have a bad attitude. It's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Well, I know for me, I remember there was, uh, it was like, uh, this was years ago. And I remember I was just so tired because we mm-hmm. were, I was working on this project like day in and day out. And I remember my boss actually texted me when I was um, at the gym for the, because everyone, well, if you know me, you know, I go to the gym a lot. I know. Right? And, <laughs> and so I remember getting this text message. And it, let's just say it wasn't the nicest of text messages. And I remember just feeling so defeated because I was like, mm. not only do you expect a lot out of me at, 
at work. Yeah. But now you're interrupting my time outside of work. How dare you? How you know? dare and, this person? Well, it, it's true. It's like, how dare you text me? Like, yeah. I'm going into work in a couple of hours. You can wait. Why? Yeah. Why was this text message so important to send me when it added nothing except yeah. for ruin my day before it even technically started right you know and it's it's frustrating because i don't think people realize that again we have to go in work 10 times as hard if we don't do it they think we're lazy or dropping the uh-huh. ball and we're not mm-hmm. you know or they're we're always expected to have a smile on our face you know and again i always grew up have a smile on your face or else you're the angry black woman i've mm. had people friends who are really close to me being like you know, when I first met you, I I was uh, nervous because I thought, you know, you, you always looked angry. And I'm just like, what is that? <laughs> like, I'm not angry, you know, but I bring all that up to say is that when we when we uh, work in, in news or any industry, really. Yeah, we're always putting on I don't want to say an act, but we're putting on this side of us in order to survive of course you know but after a lot of years you get tired you know Mm -hmm. and then if you like i said if you even drop the ball once like you said you can be called angry or i don't know um you're you're playing not you're not playing nice with others you're being unfair just what uncooperative yeah and i've heard it and it, it just really sucks because it's like in all my the jobs I've had and in all of my careers, I, I would really like to say that I tried my my hardest, yes. you know, and if I ever had a bad day, it was always treated like this big thing. Whereas if someone else had a bad day, you know, they would get a little bit of uh, more sympathy. Co- coddling. I guess. Yeah. I yeah. Coddling. Yeah. You know, and so it was also hard to navigate that, you know, because it's like you're having a bad day. You have to put a smile on your face on top of that, yeah. you know, and it, it's so heartbreaking because I don't think they realize how much we we break down. I can't say that for everyone, but there have been so many times and I'll openly admit where I was so tired and having a bad day and I just had to put a smile on my face because I knew, God forbid, if, mm-hmm. you know, Ali's sad for two hours you know to end the world and i'll just go into the bathroom and cry Mm. you know and then i'll do my makeup and and head back out there and i've can also say that i've been in in different uh newsrooms where i remember when i first started my my journalism industry i i had gone to the bathroom and i was new and i didn't really know anybody and i'll do my makeup and i i swear i heard someone like you know when someone's like trying not to cry and they're like sniffling and i heard someone i was about to leave and i'm like something doesn't feel right and i remember i knocked on the door and i'm like are you okay and they're like yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine and i'm like are you sure because it sounds like you were crying and then the person just kept bawling and i felt so bad and Mm. i'm just like can i help at all like Still don't know who that was to this day. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, no, I'm I'm good. Please, it's it's okay. And I said, okay. Like, I'm not going to yeah. add more trauma to what that person was experiencing. I am yeah. so sorry. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's it's really heartbreaking to know that that happens. And mm. as well, I've been in, in, in newsrooms where I've had friends text me being like, can you meet me here, where, whether it's outside or in an office, just so they can cry for a second, you know? Mm. And it's really, really, it's heartbreaking when you see someone at their desk and you know 
like five minutes ago they were bawling their eyes out and now they have like this big grin on their face because they have to mm. act a certain way and it's yeah. it's it's tough I don't know I don't yeah. know it's tough so a reoccurring theme between you and I and probably a few other journalists of color who are allies and our friends was sort of venting to each other and then asking each other did that happen am I overreacting because like you said, if you, you know, if Ali gets angry, someone's going to be like, she's the angry black woman. If I say something and I speak up, they're like, this Asian woman is a very troublesome person and not great for the team. And I remember sometimes we would just give each other the look, like the questionable, like, what? And so how important is it to have someone or a handful of people that you trust to sort of be that check for you? Um, because when I, you know, when I asked you, I was like, what did that happen? Or like, am I overreacting? I think overreacting is the word. Cause we always think, what can I do better in this scenario as a racialized mm. person? Did I do something wrong to get this, uh, outcome? Mm -hmm. So like, how is it, how important is it to have those people you trust, um, that, you know, will check you, um, and then to have that safe space to even openly talk about it. I think it's so important. When I first started, um, I, I always thought I was alone. And like you said, I, I always thought that maybe when certain scenarios would happen that I was probably making it up yeah. and be like, oh, I deserve that. You know, of course I did something wrong. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking. And I also remember being in a newsroom again when I first started. And I, I don't know what happened because I was working the morning shift. So my shift was done and I was about yeah. to leave. And this producer came and she just started yelling at me. Mm. And I'm standing there like I was not working on your show because I was an editorial assistant at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like that. I nothing to do with me. And she was just yelling at me like she gave birth to me. And I remember <laughs> standing there. And it was frightening. And it was in the middle of the newsroom. And, and you're the heard. editorial assistant. So you're probably fresh out of J school or young. Literally or... fresh out of J school. One of my very first jobs at a J school. Yeah. And it was in the middle of the newsroom. Everyone heard. No one did anything. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And I went home crying, being like, is this how it's going to be? And mm -hmm. for a long time, I thought that's how it was. I thought, you know, if someone yelled at me or someone did something, take it. You yeah. know, um, because that's that's what journalism is, you know. Um, but then, you know, and I met people like you and I met other people there. I realized that um, there was a there was a community yeah. of us that really could rely on each other. And, you know, um, if it was, you know, whether I was having a bad day or something happened or just whatever, you know, like you said, S sending uh, each other like a, sending you like a Slack message with like a, a Slack gift. or just a text or something, you know, yeah. and it was so helpful and reassuring to know that there were other people out there who not only unfortunately went through the same things or similar things that I have, yeah. but also understood and were, was in my corner. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it felt so good because it felt like I could not to use this term wrong because I know it's been used a lot in for like uh, the protests regarding like people have been uh, black people have been killed. But mm. it felt like I could breathe, mm. you know, it just felt like a breath of fresh air, like finally. Yeah. And I've and again, just working with myself and my therapist, you know, I've noticed that I'm able to put up certain barriers yeah. on what I will tolerate and what I won't yeah and I the people who are in my life now 
um, are people who I'm so thankful for and who like you like we were you were talking about before it's just people who get it people who want to see you win people who are there to support you people who like will check me I remember there was a something happened a couple months back where someone sent me a message and me and this person are are pretty close work-wise okay and I remember I got this message and I looked at it and I was like oh he's 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 trying himself right now, you know? And I was about to literally reply back and be like, who are you talking to? Yeah. And I remember I, I sent it, I won't say who I, who I sent it to, but I sent it to a couple of girlfriends. And I was like, can you read this? Because I'm about to go off. And they were like, Ali, he's not saying what you think he's saying. Like he meant, like, from what I can see, he meant, you know, this and that. And that's also important yeah. because I feel like a lot of people think, you know, friends or people in your corner, people who are always like, you're right. Yeah. F yes, them, people. forget them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's not always the case. And I was wrong in that situation. And I'm yeah. so happy I, I reached out to those people because I, it probably would have turned into something, you know, but they checked me on it. And I and I respect that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like it when people who are who's close to me and I to them are like, like you're overreacting or relax or whatever, you know, you trust but that comes with trust. Yes, you trust that they yeah. have your best interest in mind. Exactly. It comes with trust and respect. And I also think as racialized journalism, just people in general, that we don't take that term lightly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think I really think. Um, and I was talking to some girlfriends, black girlfriends the other day, and they just said, you know, they, and again, because it was a black circle, um, or space, they were just saying they think black women have the best intuition, Mm. you know, and I think that's true with any racialized community, you know, I think we have the best intuition because we grew up having to have that sort of intuition that, can I I trust you, you know, or just stepping back being like, I'm just going to feel this person out for a bit, you know? And I think we also Um, had to break down what they actually meant when they said those things. It's mm -hmm. like a lot of the microaggressions, like, hmm, you just said that, and I know that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. what it means in words, so I know Mm -hmm. the meaning behind it. So how can I tell Mm -hmm. you a, a slight, polite F you but to let you know, like to let you know, I got it. So f you and like go home and kick rocks. But like yeah. also say to you that you can't use that back. Like it's a chess game. I found that when we were working together, uh, you know, there was a period between October and like when before I, you know my contract ended. And I, that's another story. Which when I came out and told you I my contract wasn't extended, you were like, what? Anyways, that's another story. But I remember telling you that. I took Ubers every single morning to get there because I literally laid in bed and woke up and was like, what's wrong with me? I can't get out of bed. Like, and I look back in that dark period and it was like a really depressing time. It felt like you had to go into the newsroom every day and play chess with your manager who clearly had a power dynamic over you. Um, Anyways, I lost my train of thought, but I think uh, I want to touch upon the word trust because you did mention that word Mm -hmm. trust. Um, And I want to share a story about um, someone who completely lost my trust in just like a flip of a Mm. switch. And you know this person as well. (laughs) And you know this story. story? You know this story. I'm sure I'll know once you you, you start telling the story. So I remember (laughs) asking an ex-coworker after my contract had ended who had a supervisor title. I already know this. You already know this, girl, (laughs) because I already told you, man. (laughs) Yeah, he's not there anymore, but uh, he left. uh, But anyway, it doesn't matter. So he he had a supervisor title and approved everybody's work. That's a reference, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I asked him, hey, like, could you write me a reference? I'm like looking for new gigs. Um, and I thought, you know, he supervised our work. He okayed everything. He saw the way that we worked. And he had a title that was above us. And he replied that we were peer workers on the same level and that I should ask our boss for a reference instead. And didn't you say he took a while to reply? Took a while. He said he was up in too? the cottage. So I'll give him that. Maybe he was up in the cottage. But mm. I was like, he knew the type of relationship and everything that happened with our boss. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was an ally and I thought that we could trust him. And in that moment, my heart went from, you know, like a rosy pink color to this like gray shade, mm -hmm. like immediately. It was mm -hmm. really disappointing because I thought to my, I was upset. I was angry and I was like hurt and I was disappointed. And I, cause I thought if the tables were reversed, I'd be the first mm -hmm. person to help this person out or I'd be, mm -hmm. I'd be willing no matter what to help this person out. And I thought, wow, like that, it seemed like he climbed the ladder and then just cut it and was like, see ya. Because that's mm -hmm. essentially what he did. I mean, he got a promotion mm -hmm. like right before he left, cut the ladder, was like, see ya. And since then I've like removed this person from like all my <laughs> social media contacts because mm -hmm. I'm like that. Um, oh, I'm but, like that too. But it also like it triggers me. <laughs> I'll if I, you. Yeah, it, all, it triggers me when I see that. And it yeah. showed me their true color. You know, it's like mm -hmm. when I needed help the most, this person abandoned me and was just like, no. And it was really, like, mm -hmm. really hurtful because, like, like I said, like, we would do that for this person no matter what. So, I, and I think the thing, trust sorry can be to cut you off. Continue. Sorry, yeah, trust takes a long time to build, but it just mm -hmm. takes a moment to be wiped out. And to add on to that, um, and again, I can't speak for everyone, but like, I know for me, if I trust you and you break that trust, I become. I'll admit, I'll become hard. Like, I'll still be professional, but yeah. I'll be, I will, I will. Yeah. But it, it's not only that, it just makes me more hesitant to trust the next person is basically what I'm getting at, too. Okay, okay. You know, because I, and I know this person you're, you're talking about, and I remember that I had a, a moment where he lost my trust, too, when we mm -hmm. were, we had gone somewhere and we were coming back together, and him and I were just talking, and, you know, I'd be like, yeah, and this and that and that, and he would be like, oh, you know, just making excuses, and I'm just like, Hmm, you're you're not like you what's that saying like even if you don't pick a side you're still on oh, the side yeah. of the oppressor I sort see. of thing yeah and yeah and i and i realized that about that person too and it made me really really hesitant to trust he was white or is white <laughs> so it made me hard to trust no i'm gonna be serious yeah. it made me hard to trust the next white person who came in you wow. know, and it's nothing against that white person at all. But it's like, if you go through these experiences where it's like, just you, you put your trust in people and they continue to break it, yeah. it, it, you're bound to have trust issues, you know, and it sucks because it's like, how do you explain that? You know, yeah. people are probably going to be like, well, that's reverse racism. No such thing, first off. Mm. <laughs> Secondly, it's like, no, it's like you don't know my lived experience, you know? Right. And you don't know how many times I put my trust in certain types of people and had it broken. Yeah. So, of course, moving forward, I'm going to be more cautious, yeah. you know? And it's also like how how dare you invalidate my experience yeah. as well, yeah. you know? And I think that's another important thing as journalists of color and why it was so great when I found, or now that I have people who I know I can turn to and trust and talk to about really, really deep things. Because it's like, when you go through certain situations, 
And I'm just thinking about not even professionally, just like in general growing up, just like really certain like situations and just having people invalidate my experience. It was it was heartbreaking, you know, and and you and you start to think to yourself, am I crazy? Am I? Maybe I did deserve it. Maybe, you know, um, and it's it's. I think I'm getting off track now too, but it's it's difficult, and and I think that's why again to to bring it back around, why um, at least I have a hard time um, not trusting people, but using the term friend, mm. you know, because I feel like sometimes people are so quick to be like, oh yeah, this is my friend or this is my best friend, and I'm like, oop, we're not on the same page yeah. <laughs> because I use that word very strongly, yes. you know. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It means a lot to you when you say that you're It friends. does, yeah. it does. It really, really does. And um, you also brought up something about, per, like, deleting that person off your social media. Yeah. And I also think that's important, too. Like, I've spoken to people who are like, oh, I can't unfollow them or delete them because it's going to... Who cares? Who cares? Do you know how many people... Yeah, like, sometimes I might just not follow someone because I don't know who you are. You can follow me. Cool, whatever. I'm not yeah. going to... I never take offense when someone unfollows me. I don't care. Me neither. You know? Yeah, I really don't. But the reason I, I actually, and I, and I, I've said this before to to other people, I actually go through my social media like every couple months when I'm bored and I have nothing to do, and I'll just purge. Why not? You know? I I remember yeah, someone why? said that is how Twitter works. Like these are the people you want to follow in this moment. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's literally like I. It is my Twitter feed. It's my Facebook. It's my Instagram. Yeah, I am allowed to see who I want to see, and I'm allowed to follow who I want to follow. Yeah, you know, and I, and I know it's easier said than done because I feel like you have to go through your own journey in order to you know kind of be able to stand your ground on stuff like that because I used to be that person when someone's like oh I followed you and in my mind I'm like oh I really don't want to follow you but I'm gonna follow you just because <laughs> you know just to, I know yeah yeah but like now I'm just like I don't if I don't want to follow you I, I don't have to peace and love and, peace and love I'm just not yeah. gonna follow you <laughs> yeah and I also think it's important for journalists especially journalists of color to get off of social I know that is you know a lot of our careers especially you know what I I do you know I'm mm. I'm, I'm I have to be online quite a bit. Yeah, monitoring stats, you know, what's trending. Yeah, yeah, you know, and sure, I'll do it, you know. Yeah. But I also make sure I have time, especially when I'm done work, to, like, just cut it off, you know. Like, it's it's healthy for me. Um, and it's not healthy to always be online because I feel like sometimes people distort social media for reality. Yes. You know, and it's, it's yes. very unhealthy. It's very I, unhealthy. I mean, I follow you on social media. You follow me on social media. So we know, mm-hmm. and like the way you tweet is the way you speak and are in person. And there's mm-hmm. sometimes I read just personalities online and I'm like, is this yeah. how people, what people like? Like, you know, there's some tweeters that are like very, like tweeting really random. You're, like you said, it's like a, it's like an image slash personality. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's just not me. Like I end my sentences with periods. Like I like to capitalize <laughs> stuff. Like I just mm-hmm. wonder... I don't know. Anyways, that's a very big tangent that I'm... No, no, it's... it's And no, just to add on to that, like, I... When I first started on Twitter, you know, it was kind of because I was... uh was in J schools before that. Uh, when I, I did uh, RT at Ryerson uh, Broadcasting, and they were like, oh, you should join Twitter because it's, like, the next big thing. So I joined it, and I was always like, you have to be professional. Yes, I mean, yes. be professional, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you have to, like, tweet a certain way. But then after a while, I was like... 
but I want to show a little bit of my personality. I can still, and I think it goes back to what we were saying before, we can still be professional and still yeah. tell stories, but have it in our own voice. And nothing's wrong with that. Like, in real life, I like to say y'all. I, I like, you know, I don't say you all. Like, a lot of my tweets mm. will say y'all, you know, mm. or when I text um, personally with friends, um, you've probably noticed, I'll put like a, a plus instead of and, you know, that's how I tweet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes. And it's, it's nice to kind of have that those personalities on there but just make sure you're being true to who you are be true to who you are um yeah because a lot of people are are not who they are gonna say it phony gonna say yeah (laughs) phony and like a character when you meet them you're like this you're not even anyways Thanks for listening to the Agnata Chit Chat. For easy listening, I've split this conversation with Allie Wilson into two parts. Join us next time for more.